Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. On the BetQL Network, You Better You Bet, Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser filling in today for Nick and Ken. Nick and Ken will be back on Thursday. They'll also be with you guys this weekend. Special edition of You Better You Bet, the countdown to kickoff, getting you set for Divisional Weekend. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA here with Rick Camp. Uh, check out the show, watchstadium.com backslash live, watchstadium.com. That's where you can watch the show right now for the next 40 minutes. But before we get to Rick really quick, I got some breaking news for you, PJ. I think it's the same thing that I was going to say to you. John Rothstein, uh, St. John's Rick Pitino, head coach, will not coach tonight against Seton Hall due to COVID per release. Now, you like St. John's. Do you still like St. John's no, against Seton Hall? No, I don't anymore. That was the handicap. It was a pick em. I'm getting Patino in a pick em. Give me the Johnnies against Seton Hall. But now without Rick Patino, I uh, I kind of like Seton Hall, honestly. I'm not going to bet the game. I'm interested to see if the line moves. Seton Hall was the small favorite at minus one and a half. And they're still minus one and a half now with the Patino news. But, man, I think Rick is worth a lot to a point spread. So that is that is big news. I'm glad I didn't bet St. John's yet because I would have been on them. Um, but that that is a big development. We'll get our whole uh, college car. We'll get everything out here for the uh, power hour coming up in about 40 minutes. But let's talk some NBA. We got three games on tap tonight. The first one tips off 730 p.m. as the 76ers host the Nuggets. They're one and a half point favorites. We'll talk about that and more. We welcome him now. Will uh, Rick Camp uh, NBA for four for four bets. Rick, how you doing, buddy? Long time. No talk. I know. Good to talk with you, uh, you guys again. You know, small slate tonight, but we got some pretty good matchups. At least. All right. Before we get to tonight, you sent me a text message. You said I have a long shot division bet that could look horrible in a week, and I kind of know where you're going here. But uh, what do you like? I was looking at that today. Where, you know, like it's nice on days where you have the only positive of having these like three game slate, twelve game slate, four game slate, eleven game slate is those days with the smaller. Uh, amount of games you can kind of look at futures a little bit more just other different prices and i had actually bet when garland and mobley got announced out for the Cavs. i had bet an alt under 44 and a half wins to them and all they've done is kept winning and looking at where that division is right now i figured that they'd be back a fair amount to milwaukee they're four games back in the standings but i found an 11 to 1 for the Cavs to win the division since like they're 10 and three in their last 13, a plus 6.5 net rating 14th in offense fourth in defense. And that's without Mobley 
also without Garland, but still. And, of course, a lot's been made of Milwaukee having the easy schedule they've had so far, second easiest looking at dunks and threes. The Cavs have had an e- in the, a schedule in the easiest third. But considering how they've kind of finally found a style, it's going to be interesting when you're integrating uh, Garland and Mobley back. But if this team has truly found something and figured out some of their depth concerns as well, I think it's really interesting, and this would be an advantageous time to play it, because in a weird scheduling quirk, three of their next five games are against the Milwaukee Bucks. So you have to hope, okay, they have to at least go two and one in those. One at home, which is tomorrow, and then a duplex spot in Milwaukee in just over a week. I think this is the time, if you believe in Cleveland at all, to at least put something small on Cleveland 11 to 1 to win the division. I actually really, really like that. 8 to 1 over at MGM. Shop around. You could get 11 to 1 still. I actually really like that price. And Darius Garland, you brought him up. He's actually been cleared now, I saw, for on court activities. He's got that jaw injury. But I mean, they've been playing much better basketball. It looked like they were going to be a mess. They were 13 and 12, and now they're 12 and 3 without Garland. Uh, is that a concern, though? He comes back and maybe everything falls apart. Any chance they make a move here at the deadline, too? I think they're they're gonna let this thing ride as is because I know that I know they love the fact that and it's been part of the reason they've been better, especially offensively, is the spacing's been better. The shooting has actually really stepped up, you know, with having Struce playing even more minutes, Niang being out there, you know, and even Levert's been able to be that secondary playmaker for them. So is it possible they revert back to their old style where they were taking, I wanna say almost 10 threes a game less than they are since Garland's been out. Yeah, it's definitely possible. So there are variables. Maybe that's what gets this up to 11 is that they weren't playing as well with those two other stars. But if they're able to integrate them and figure it out and find some sort of balance, this is the time to do it. And they've got the games coming up to really be able to narrow that gap against Milwaukee if they're able to keep playing as well as they have been. Rick, what about tonight's slate? Uh, marquee game is, is Nuggets and Sixers. I mean, Embiid against Jokic is going to be awesome. Anything that you like in that game tonight? I don't have anything in that game. It's a real light card for me tonight, but that's going to be a fantastic matchup. If someone wanted to follow all the narratives and storylines and just go with some alt-overs on Embiid, since you know all he does is play good teams at home and then ducks them on the road, then, I mean, that's something that I've seen people do that, even though, you know, his number, his points prop is still up around that 33 and a half mark. I, you know, I don't, it's such, it could be such a close game. The back-to-back is interesting for the Sixers. I think it is going to be a really good game, but the only game that I have something for on this slate is I have the under 244 and a half in Sacramento Phoenix for whatever reason, Sacramento's defense is significantly better on the road, and they play slightly slower on the road as well. So even though with the big three for Phoenix, the defense has not been as good, I do like the under in that spot. And in their two previous games, not a perfect comp to this because game one had no Beal, game two had no Beal or Durant. Those games flew under this total by a minimum of 20 points. So I think there is wiggle room for there to be a more offensive game. I don't know how crazy the pace is going to be because Phoenix, at least in the last few weeks, has been bottom third of the league in pace, and the Kings are working their way back up. They're really only about middle of the pack right now. So 
I don't think the pace is going to be quite as high as people think. And Sacramento plays a top half of the league defense when they've been on the road so far this year. So trusting those a little bit and taking under a pretty huge number. Yeah, I like that one a lot, too. I like that under look. Uh, I know you don't have a play in it, but any look or any lean in Oklahoma City and Clippers or just, like, who you kind of like? I mean, obviously, Thunder are a young team, but they're 27-12. and 12. Clippers are getting right. They're 25-14. and 14. Everybody's actually going to play in this game, it looks like, a clean injury report. Clippers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Any lean in this game or just which team do you trust more moving forward in the West? Yeah, the only thing I've seen is uh, Vita Zubats isn't expected to play in this one. I just think it's a nasty schedule spot for Oklahoma City. A fifth game in seven nights against a team that's playing really well. So I do like the Clippers in the spot. I know Oklahoma City has done well this season on back-to-backs, but recently when they were out east, they had a, a schedule spot and lost losing in the Nets. That's, that's rough, but it was partially due to the schedule. I just think the Clippers are playing so well right now, and they've been able to do it with Zubats and also without him as well. So I think they have enough versatility to be, and they've just been playing so well to be able to pull this one out. So I wouldn't, I'm just worried about Oklahoma city and there maybe being a bit of a blowout factor tonight, which is weird to say. So I'm staying away from the game because I don't know about you guys personally, but a lot of been burned a bit by some of these blowouts and really it's leaned me towards being a little shyer on overs in games that have a decent chance of being a blowout and looking more towards unders, if anything, in those in those spots. Rick, I was listening the other day. Doc Rivers was on a podcast and was talking about the Clippers and said in his mind he thinks the Clippers are the most talented team in the NBA, which I, I thought was quite the statement. Now, obviously, with Harden and Paul George and Kawhi, they certainly are. But, I mean, where are you on that? I'm, do you buy that the Clippers are the most talented team in the NBA? Would you take them over, like, a Boston, Milwaukee, a Denver, uh, any of those teams? I think, if anything, if we've learned anything the last couple of years in the NBA, it's that it's not as much about accumulating the most talent as it used to be. Like, the fact that we're kind of shying away from the three true star aspect of this, which I consider – it, two superstars and a and a star in James Harden. I don't consider him a superstar at this point of his career, but I would still take Denver. I know it, an angle that I've been looking at and been talking with a few other people and kind of in agreement of if you're going to look towards futures for the conference for the finals, it's Denver versus who in the East or something. You know those types of things try and add some value to uh, a portfolio as the season's progressing. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. I still think, like, the Clippers have been great. They look really good. Could they beat Denver? Sure. But am I going to bet on that at this point? No. But they do have a ton of talent. I just don't know necessarily. We do need to see it in that playoff setting. And while they have been working well together, the Denver starting five is still the best starting five in the league. And they've been getting just enough off of their bench to where I still trust the Nuggets. And it feels like maybe this regular season is a bit of just, you know, going through the motions. They're still very good. They're right up there in terms of the standings. But it just feels like this team is doing what they need to do, staying sharp enough. And they're going to be there at the end, top three seed most likely. And they're going to be ready for the playoffs to make another run. And 
I want to be on them in some way, shape, or form. You brought up Milwaukee earlier, and they got the big game winner from Dame, so maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe they build off of that, but I don't know. I just don't trust them right now defensively. I don't know if they're going to be able to even really make a move at the deadline. I don't know what they have to give up. Where are you at right now? I know we talked last week with Milwaukee and Boston in the East because I feel like those are obviously going to be the two top teams. You can make the case for Philly, um, but where are you at right now with Milwaukee? Like, Do you trust them when we get to the playoffs, or you know, is the defensive uh, concerns a big worry for you right now? I mean, at least it seems like the defense has – it's not what it was early in the year when basically all the players had to check Adrian Griffin and be like, dude, we got to do at least some form of what we've been doing before. The offense is good, is set up to be there in the playoffs. So it's just a matter of they don't almost like when you think of what Denver was previously, like can the offense be real, like great to elite and have the defense be fine. Be like, if they could get that defense up to 12, around there like play at that yeah. type of level then i mean that's a big step from right now because just uh looking at an adjusted defensive rating on dunks and threes they're at 16th at 116.5 the knicks are at 11th at 113.8 so that's a it's a pretty big jump to try and get to that range so until they show a little more movement there yeah like i i'm i'm am worried about them i still would take boston over them and probably because, as I mentioned last week, I don't trust Boston as much. That's why I would look at maybe in a finals matchup, not Denver versus Boston, but maybe Denver over Boston, that type of thing, just because Denver's shown it more and they're better in the clutch times than Boston has been. That would be if I want to try and add some value to where it's a little bit more than just team versus team right now. That's a way that I could do it. And I just don't know what moves Milwaukee can make. I know it was thrown out of, like, try and get Alex Caruso. Well, the, the Bulls are delusional enough to think that they're still going to be in this yeah. enough to keep guys. And also, they don't have anything to trade to get a guy like Caruso. So it's one of those, yeah, it sounds great in theory, but how do you make it happen in practice? And I think that's going to be the thought for a lot of names that come up from Milwaukee. Rick, we got about two minutes left. I want to ask you about the Jazz. They've won six in a row, nine of their last ten. Sexton, Markinen, they've been awesome for Utah right now. They're the nine seed in the West, like, are you buying Utah as, as like a, you know, play in tournament team in the Western conference, possibly, you know, if they get hot, maybe upsetting like Minnesota or OKC, if they get one of those matchups in the one, eight or two, seven, do you like Utah moving forward? They're fascinating just because of how much better they are. The, at least at the moment than the, some of their parts. And I mean, you can still get a great number on them to even just make the playoffs. I believe it's uh, plus 500 over at that MGM for them to make the playoffs, be in that final eight. But as I look at the standings, it's basically, okay, the Lakers are floating there. So to me, it's Utah, Houston, and Golden State for one spot in the play-in. And the thing that holds me back from truly trusting Utah the rest of the season is what we saw last year. Danny Ainge is going to be cold-hearted about evaluating this team. So if he's able to get a deal that he likes for whether it's Clarkson to be a sixth man on somebody else's team or Sexton or Chris Dunn, whatever that ends up being, I don't know that he's going to value a play-in appearance and at best probably getting wiped in the first round by one of your top couple seeds. I don't know if he's going to value that over still looking towards the future 
and valuing maybe getting Keontae George more minutes towards the end of the season as opposed to Chris Dunn, who's been actually a revelation for them alongside Markinen. So they're fun right now. They're a fun bet game to game. I just don't know if I'm going to trust them moving forward to trust that they're going to be this or even be the same team the rest of the season. Rick, thanks so much, man. Good luck tonight with your under, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good, guys. It's our guy thanks, right Rick. there, Rick Camp. Give him a follow on Twitter, X Rick C. Camp, NBA player props, four for four bets. Uh, good stuff from him. We're going to talk a little golf, Peach, with Joe Idoni. Let's do it. We're going to talk a little bit more football. We're going to hit on some college football as well. we got to talk about the coaching carousel that's going on, not only in college football, but in the NFL and we got lots more to come. Check us out on Stadium for the next 20 minutes. Ryan Horvath, PJ Glasser, filling in for Nick and Ken. It's You Better You Bet. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network.